in the Word. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, turn your Bibles to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Believe we have four more sessions on this series. I believe this is number 15 uh, that we've been talking on uh, prosperity, God's will for you. The next three weeks, um, we're going to be dealing with uh, the next, not this week, but the following three weeks, we're going to be talking about faith for prosperity. But tonight, what I'm going to deal with is the master key and the main problem. The master key and the main problem. And, and, um, and some of these things I might be sharing with you might be very basic, but sometimes we need to go back to the basics, right? Amen. Uh, this, is, this is Wednesday night. It's like Bible school. And, and so it's breaking down the word for us to grow. So, so you know, a lot of times when it comes to hearing the word, you, you kind of need to, need to do a, a shift so much in your thinking and kind of like, like all right, I'm not going to hear this like I've heard it before, but I want to hear it with fresh ears. Because the moment that you use a statement of, I've heard that before, is the moment that you hinder revelation from changing your life. Because the word of God is inexhaustible. You know, and, and I, I, there's, there's things where I, I, the Holy Spirit's had at work on me with because I'll hear a scripture and being a minister and, and teaching, uh, you know, the, for the years now that I have, you know, a lot of times where I'll hear someone else minister along the line of the scripture, I have to make sure that I don't look at my revelation as the only revelation. And make sure that, well, this is the way I see that scripture. This, no, the whole, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you to where you are right now. Amen? And so it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter if you, you, you put reverend or minister in front of your name. You need to be open to the word of God so you can allow it to change you. Because that's why we're here. That, that's what church is all about. It's about being changed into the image of Christ. Amen? Becoming more like him. So we've been talking about prosperity, and our title scripture has been, uh, our main scripture has been Third uh, John, where it says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, right? God's desire and his will for each one of us is for us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. This, this, isn't, this isn't necessarily about money. This is about having peace in every area of our lives. God wants you to have... He, he just doesn't want you to put a notch on your belt and say, I'm saved now. Okay, check, I'm going to heaven. He, he didn't just die for 33% of you. We're spirit, we're soul, and we're body. He's died for all of you. When Jesus was on the cross and we look at Isaiah 53 and we look at the especially the first 12 to 13 verses we see that everything that Jesus dealt with he dealt with all of mankind all of man spirit soul and body we even know of his coming it said that he became poor so that through his poverty we might be made rich you're like, oh, well, well, Pastor Judd, that's just talking about being rich spiritually. Does it? Come on. Who said? Come on. 
We have have to have an understanding of all the word of God and have an understanding of the complete heart of God for for creation. And we've been talking about Abraham. We talked about Isaac. We talked about Jacob. We talked about covenant. We talked about David. We've talked a little bit about Solomon. We talked about, about the house of God. We talked about a lot of different aspects. And there's not one thing that we saw how God acted as it came to having people poor. See, religion has told people that, that poverty is, is, is a virtue. But according to Scripture, poverty is a curse. Now, I'm going to share some things with, with us tonight. And you're like, well, isn't that Scripture contradicting? No. No, you have to look at the word. You can't just isolate a half a verse You can't isolate just three scriptures. You have to look at everything in context of all of scripture and looking through it through the nature of God and the heart of God. Because you can can take a scripture uh, in Job such as the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and make that all of a sudden gospel. But you have to understand God didn't say that. Job said that. Or the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You're going through a rut. Well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. God didn't say that. Job said that. So you also have to know who's speaking and who's saying what. So, so we want to we have a complete understanding of God's heart. Because when it comes to prosperity, you can get in a ditch on both sides. You can get in a ditch of poverty, that it's okay for poverty. And you can get a ditch in a di- on another ditch where, where everything is your focus is all about money. Everything is about your material assets. Everything is about, about your increase. Everything is about all, all, what you have and, and, and the things that you have financially. And then you can get in another ditch over here. And, and then what happens is, is you're in two different ditches and no one's going anywhere. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to go somewhere. How about you? So let's look here in 2 Corinthians and, and just... just and just understand this asset. What does prosperity look like? What does prosperity look like? Second Corinthians chapter 9. Hallelujah. Verse 8 says, And God, let me verse, look in verse 6. But this I say, He which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, may, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. What does prosperity look like? It looks like this verse. Having all sufficiency in all things, that I may abound to every good work. Prosperity. What does prosperity look? Prosperity looks like you have more than enough for you, but the more than enough for you is for you to be a blessing to others. That's what prosperity looks like. You know, there, there's also this this understanding in the gospel and also the message of grace that everything that I don't have to do anything, God's already taken care of everything. Yeah, he took care of everything as it pertains to your salvation. But verse 6 says, he who's so sparingly shall reap sparingly. 
He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Now think about that. There's, there's nothing in that. There, I'm involved in that. That has nothing to do with God. That has everything to do with what I do. Right? So it's not just sit back and if God wants me blessed, uh, he'll just bless me. No, that we're, we're involved in the process. We're all on a journey. Jesus had to get involved in the process. If he, did, he, he didn't want to do it. If he didn't want it, it, it wouldn't have been a temptation to sweat, sweat great drops of blood to go to the cross. And so we have to be involved in what God wants to do in the earth and what he wants to do in our lives. So, so the actions that we take on a day-to-day basis is either going to bring us into places of abundance or into places of lack. You are where you are right now because the decisions you have made throughout your life is not based on God's sovereignty or what God just put me here. (laughs) No, you put you there. Now, God can help you get out and God can direct you to the next step and God's with you while you're there. But don't, don't put, don't place everything on, on, well, it's just up to God. It's just up to God. It's just up to him if he wants me rich. It's just up to him. No, he said the blessing of the Lord is upon us and makes us rich and adds no sorrow to it. Now, we're going to get into some things tonight, and you're like, well, I thought you said you we're not to be rich. You know, I'll, I'll, remember, we're going to talk about Scripture. We're going to unpack Scripture. And what we're dealing with tonight is the master key and the main problem. The master key in the main problem. So let's talk about the, the master key first. How about that? Hallelujah. Let, let's go to, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We're going to unpack some things here. The doors are locked so you can't leave until I'm done. I feel like I haven't ministered on a Wednesday in a while. This is Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 7. I'm ready to amplify it. It says, Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls, towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, yearning for him with our desire. Now listen, and he has given us rest and peace on every side. So they built and they prospered. So he said, let us build, let, let us build these walls. Let us build these things. Let us do these things. And it says, because they sought the Lord. Because they sought the Lord. Yes. Say that with me. Because, because. they sought the Lord. So the result of seeking the Lord here was that he would give them rest and peace on every side. See, you you don't understand it. Prosperity isn't all about money. Rest and peace on every side. Peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace is being able to lay your head down at night and just being able to... Man, that's prosperity right there. 
That's prosperity where you can say, and you know what, you, 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 you might have very little bit in your savings account, but you can sit back and you're like, wow, man, that's prosperity. Hallelujah. But it, what was it, what, how did it happen? Because they sought the Lord. Let's go to verse, uh, chapter 26. I'm going to see a theme here. That's for the master key. Second Chronicles 26, verse 4. It says, And he did right in the Lord's sight to the extent of all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God. Say that with me. He set himself, he set himself. to seek God. So he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the things of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, he made him. He made him. He made him. <laughs> he made him. The, the word made here is, has to do with created. It has to do to fashion. It means to put together. It means to bring to a place of, place of completion. So when it says he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Thank you, he created him to prosper. He caused him to prosper. Hallelujah. 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 He, meaning as long as he was seeking the Lord, there was no other possible way than that God was going to prosper him. Hallelujah. So here we see it again. As long as he sought the Lord, he was made to prosper. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 27, one, one chapter over. Verse 6. It says, so Jathan, Jatham, Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. So Jotham became mighty. Say mighty. So this king became mighty. He became strong. He grew in prominence because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Hallelujah. The word prepared there means he established his ways. Meaning he brought his life before God. And as, he brought, as long as he brought his life before God, he was made to be mighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Go to, go to uh, chapter 31. Chapter 31. Verse 20. 2 Chronicles 31, 20. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. Now listen to that. Hezekiah, all throughout Judah... He wrought what was good, meaning he did what was good, what was right, what was truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and he prospered. Now listen, in every work that he began, in every work that he began, See, when it came to the house of God, when it came to the law, when it came to commandments, what, he sought God first. Yes. How about every single part of your work? Yes. How about your business, where you work, yes. 
your job, church, is God first place? Because it's saying, as he, as he saw the Lord and he did it with all his heart, he prospered. Man. Now, any of these scriptures that we read, do you, do, is there a scripture in the New Testament? Is there a scripture in the New Testament that, that, that connects with these? Anybody? Someone, it's about it off, anyone? Don't. There you go. Yeah, that as well. So it's, it's, let's go to Luke chapter 12. Because Luke 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. I mean, sorry, Matthew 6, 33 is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, a lot of times we just talk about just seeking first the kingdom of God. And, and we all know that scripture. Most of us, majority of us know that scripture, right? But do we do that scripture? Seek first the kingdom of God. And a lot of times we stop there. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's two separate things. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the second? And his righteousness. His, what is his righteousness? It's his way of doing things. His way of doing things. So I'm seeking his way of doing. See, I, I need to seek his way of doing things. Why? Because they're the right things. And when you do the right things, you get right results, right? Yeah. So let's look at Luke chapter 12 here. I'm trying to talk and turn at the same time. Luke chapter 12. And we're going to come back and forth between Luke chapter 12 and 1 Timothy chapter 6. Luke chapter 12. Hallelujah. Let me start, Father. Verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than birds? And which of you, take the thought, can add to his stature by one cubit? Meaning, meaning, by worry, just by worrying about something, can you get taller? If you then not be able to do, do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Meaning, if you, if you can't do the, for the least, why are you going to take worry for big things? If, if you can't do something little, then how, how are you going to worry about the bigger things? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, neither spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Now listen, and seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be doubtful of mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. 
Now, in verse, in verse 29, he says, and seek not. So in this, in these, in this set of scriptures here, he tells us what not to seek, and he tells us what to seek, right? Remember, in the Old Testament we went through, as they sought, they prospered. As he, he put his prepared and established a way before the Lord, he became mighty. As he did these things with all of his heart, God prospered his way, right? So seeking him is the main thing. Seeking him is the master key. The master key is seeking him. The master key isn't seeking the natural things. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do natural things. Right? There's, there's, there, he, he blesses everything we set our hand to. Right? There, there's natural things that we do. There's natural things according to the word of God that will cause you to prosper and for you to increase. There was things the Apostle Paul knew the word, he knew his covenant, but yet he still had to stand upon the word. He still had to, he still had to work. He, he was a tent maker. He, he did certain things. There was things he set his hand to, but he understood where his provision came from, right? So here we see this, that it says, seek not these things. Why? Because all the Gentile nations are doing these things. All the world is doing, this, doing the things... Many saying, don't do the things the way the world's doing them. Seek me first. Seek me first. Seek me first. And all these things, seek me first. Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, hold your place there. Well, the next, I love the next verse. It says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Ah, don't fear. Don't fear. Why? Because it's his will. It's his desire. Remember, it's what he likes to do. Amen. To give you his kingdom. Amen. Hold your place there, and let's go to um, Timothy. Remember, Wednesday's kind of like Bible school here, so. I'm always like, Lord, challenge me to change me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. here. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to verse 6. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. See, Religion will take a few scriptures and try to discount the rest of the word of God. So you have to look at things in context to see what is God really speaking to us. Amen? So here he said, and the Amplified says, and, and it is indeed a source of immense profit for godliness accompanied, accompanied with contentment. That contentment, which is a sense of inward sufficiency is great and abundant gain. Hallelujah. Godliness with contentment. Meaning it's having, having that heart after God, but also being content with where you are. Yes. That contentment, I love the emphasis, it's an inward sufficiency. And it says that it is great and abundant gain. 
See, it's, it's not about pursuing the things, but it's about being contented. Because it's when you're content, you can experience great gain. Now, contentment here isn't about, well, I'm just content with having nothing, and I'll just settle for having nothing. No, that's, that's, not, that's not the way God's kingdom operates. That still puts everything on God and no responsibility on us. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and obviously we cannot take anything out of this world. Now, listen, we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. You know, you came in naked, you're going to leave naked. I, I heard someone talking about this, and, and, uh, and they were in a Bible school, and, and they were, uh, this, this one guy was talking, and he was bragging about, um, about these material blessings that he had. And, well, God did this for me, and God did that for me. And, and all of a sudden, this one, one, one friend of his got tired of hearing how this guy was, 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 was really bragging. It wasn't really godly, the way he was coming across. And he goes, he goes well, all right then. Well, I guess your ashes, well, your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. <laughs> Meaning you're not taking anything out of this world with you. You're, 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 you're leaving it all behind. So he's saying this contentment, having that, that contentment, this godliness with contentment is great gain. Why do you need to be content? Why? Because you're not going to take anything with you. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's the master key is about having the right perspective, seeking God. I'm seeking God. Verse 8, but if we have food and clothing with these, we shall be content and satisfied. But those who craved now this, this religion has taken this scripture, this next scripture, and has stolen God's ability to bless people. King James says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. See, people say, Well, money is the root. No, it's the love of money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. See, the master key is seeking God. But the main problem is what do you love? The, the, the real, of the love of money, what this real, several other translations says this, says, but those who crave to be rich, those, another translation says, those that desire to be rich, it's, it's the desire to be rich, it's the, it's the craving to be rich. Craving to be rich isn't godly. What is craving? Craving is, it, it's, it's, you're being fueled by your emotions to gain wealth. And the only way that you're ever going to be happy is if you obtain material things. But the, lie, but, the, but, but the lie of that is, the more and more material things you gain, the more and more empty you feel. Why? Because you're not prosperous in here. See, that's, that's the problem. That's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's because, because it will drive you to do wrong things. It, it will drive you to lie. It will drive you to manipulate. It will drive you to, to it, it, will, it, will, it will cause wedges to become between you and your family. You'll burn, you'll burn bridges that you can't, why? Because you're just gaining what you want. You're trying to get what you want. You're trying to obtain what you want and what you need. That's the love of money. Those that crave to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction 
and and miserable perishing. Meaning, if you're just craving to have money, you're never going to be satisfied. And it will cause you to do things that you never thought you would do. Is this anything that you crave? How about, you know, you see people with, with drugs, certain addictions. It will drive you to do things that you would never really thought you would ever do. It's the love of anything other than God will drive you in the wrong direction. Now, hold your place here in 1 first, in first Timothy, and we're going we're gonna to go back to We're going to go back to Luke. You know, well, Pastor, I say I don't. I don't want to have money because I don't. I, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I'm not being destroyed. You, you got to understand. You have to understand. You have to look at all of Scripture, right? Amen. Now, now let's look at this again in Luke chapter 12, verse 29. We just read it. I know it's kind of redundant. And seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be doubtful of mine. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. So the nations of the world are seeking, they're pursuing these material things. And your father knows that you have needed these things. He knows you need these things. He knows you need these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom. Meaning, meaning you're going to do it a different way. You're going to seek first the kingdom. And all these... You're going to seek his kingdom... And you won't have anything, but you'll be happy. That's not what the scripture says. It didn't say, the kingdom, but seek the kingdom of God and you'll have nothing. But you'll be happy because you have Jesus. There's some, some religious song. I, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Duh, Yeah. But he also doesn't want you living in poverty either. It's, it's, all about, it's all about perspective. It's all about priority. It's all about, it's all about what am I seeking after? Am I seeking things or am I seeking God? And I love what Dr. Savell said when I was in Bible school. One of the first things he taught, he was talking about a passion for God and a passion for souls. And, and one of the first things he taught us was, was seek God's face. Don't seek God's hands. You know what, if, 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 if my son is seeking my face, he's going to get my hands. But too often we seek his hands, what God can give us, what, what we need, and, and this, that, or the other. So, so we see God's not opposed to the things. He's just opposed to things having you. The master key is seeking him. Let's look at the main problem here. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse, in, the, in Luke chapter 12, let's look at verse 13. And one of the company said to him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Meaning this brother wanted to make sure he got what was his. I, I want to get what's mine. I, I, I want to have what's mine. It, it's owed to me because it's my inheritance. And right now my brother has all of it and I want what's mine. And he said, this is what Jesus said to him. Man, 
Who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness. Take heed. This is a warning here. Be careful. Take heed. Be cautious here. Take heed and beware of covetousness. See, the master key is seeking God. The main problem is covetousness. Not a whole lot of amens on that, except for Tony back there. Covetousness. What is covetousness? Is desiring what someone else has. I want, I want what that person has. I heard a, heard a story about Kenneth Hagin, and he was talking about uh, along these lines, and he had, a, he had a red Ford Bronco. This was back in the 80s, and, and he had this, this, I think it was an Eddie Bauer uh, Ford Bronco, and he, it, when it bad weather and stuff, he always you know, drove this Bronco. And, and, and one of the students... He had one of the students he had, he uh, kept come, would come up to him and, and do what we call these faith hints. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he was claiming, he, you, know, you know, we talk about claiming, you know, I'm, I'm claiming that scripture, I'm claiming this, I'm declaring that. Well, he was claiming, he, he's like, Brother Hagen, that's my Bronco. Brother Hagen, that's, that's my Bronco. <laughs> And, and so they went away, on, it was like for a holiday break, it was like Thanksgiving or something, and, and he, he went to Kenneth Hagin, he goes, well, I'll let you, you know, ride my Bronco over the holiday, I'll let you drive my Bronco over the holiday. Well, he was, he was claiming something that wasn't his. That's, that's covetousness. Looking at someone else's wife, that's covetousness. Desiring someone else's house, that's covetousness. Dropping faith hints, that's, that's covetousness. Is God speaking to you? Is God speaking to you? You know, I really like that coat. That's a really nice coat you got there, Stuart. Is God speaking to you? I like that coat. I like them boots. I, I like that Lexus. <laughs> God speaking anything to you? Come on. <laughs> she, 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 she just give him the coat. <laughs> but what you see, what do you see? Are you seeking God? Or are you, are you seeking what someone else has? Beware of covetousness. This let me know that Jesus was responding to him in a fact of you are, you're wanting what he has. You're wanting what your brother has. Maybe you didn't do what the brother did to get it. Maybe you left daddy's house before you should have left daddy's house. And daddy gave it to you and now you want what brother has. Because it has to do something with a negative heart here. Because he's saying, take heed, beware of covetousness. Why? For a man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of the things which he possesses. Meaning, my life isn't made up of what I have. My value doesn't consist of what I have. My value of my life doesn't consist of how much I have. 
And see, you can, be, you can get guilty in the other way, and you can, you can say, yeah, I got a good job, I got a good business, I'm, I'm financially successful, and yeah, I'm, I'm a giver, I gave X amount of money last year, and I, I've got this, my house is paid off, and you could sit there and you could look down at someone else because they don't have what you have. Well, you're not as prosperous as me. You, you, can't, you can't judge prosperity on things. Because what you have and what some amount of house, you're, you're accountable for different things. You're accountable for different things in the kingdom of God. So you can't measure if someone's truly prosperous based on numbers. Because numbers can be deceiving. So it doesn't, prosperity doesn't come down to what you have. It's, it's all of a sudden, hey, I got all these things and, and, and all of a sudden now I'm, I'm, I, I'm a success now. No. The question is, is how close are you to God? How much of the peace of God do you have? How much of the joy of God do you have? That's prosperity. Now, there's nothing wrong with rich. There's nothing wrong with blessing. There's nothing wrong with, he, according to Abraham, we, he's going to bless us with goodly houses. I, I, I like plural houses. I, I, I like the best chariots. I like the... But it's not about, it's not about in what you possess materially. That's not how you measure prosperity. Amen. See, covetousness, it's the, it's, the, it's the main problem that hinders people from becoming prosperous. It limits people from becoming prosperous. Hallelujah. Kenneth Hagin made a statement. The Lord spoke to him because he grew up in a denomination that didn't teach on prosperity. And, and so he had a really, a, in some aspects, a poverty mentality just because of his religious upbringing. And, and so he was praying one day, and he had, a, he had a visitation from the Lord, and the Lord ministered to him, and he told him this. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, I'll make you rich. He didn't just say, I'll make you rich. He said, if you're led by the Spirit, I'll make you rich. And God told him, he said, he goes, he goes and, it, and it took him off guard because all, everything he had heard all, all his whole life was, no, I'm a minister, I, I, this can't happen. And the Lord said, he goes, he, goes, he goes, I don't have a problem with you being rich. I don't have a problem with the body of Christ being rich. I have a problem with the body of Christ being covetous. Hallelujah. Let's go back to 1 Timothy. We're going to hold your place in, in Luke. We're going to come back there. We didn't have service last Wednesday night, so we can make up for tonight. <laughs> First Timothy 6. Are you getting something out of tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. First Timothy 6. Hallelujah. Remember, he just talked about the love of money is the root of all evil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse 11, it says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good of fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life, whereunto you are called, and you professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's go down to verse um, 17. He says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they give it all away. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. See, this, this, this is the key. It, it, it's, it, there's not a problem with you becoming rich. 
So we have the love of money is the root of all evil. Here in the same chapter, now Paul's talking. He says, charge them that are rich in the world. Meaning, meaning, make sure you caution those that have wealth. That they be not high-minded. And they don't trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God who gives us richly all things. The living, who gives us all things. Remember, all these things shall be added unto you. Here it says, charge them that are rich in the world. For them, didn't say for them to give it all away and become poor. He just says, make sure you know where you got it from. Just make sure you know who blessed you. Make sure you know that you're not the one that made you rich, but God's the one that made you rich. Don't be high minded. Don't think that you got it all together. Know who your source is. And that's what Patty's going to talk about next week. <laughs> Nor trust in uncertain riches, but what? In the living God. Not, you're not trusting in the material things. You're trusting in the living God who gives us all things, all things richly, richly to enjoy. Hallelujah. He gives you all things richly to enjoy. All things richly to enjoy. All things. He, did, he didn't limit that to, to, just, to just necessities. All things richly to enjoy. Hallelujah. Just don't be high-minded. And make sure you're trusting. Another word of, of our trusting is seeking the living God. What is the main thing? The master key. It's seeking. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Luke chapter 12. Hallelujah. Thank you for the word. So verse 15 again. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the thing which he possesses. And he spoke a parable unto them. Remember, a parable is Jesus telling them a story for them to be able to understand what covetousness really is. And he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. So this guy was already rich. It wasn't the ground of a poor man brought forth plentifully. It said the ground of a rich man. So that lets me know this rich man got richer. God doesn't have a problem with a rich man getting richer. I, I, I don't believe in socialistic government. Hallelujah. I, I don't believe in communism. I don't believe in... I believe the church should do its job and, and do its place. I, I think the socialist government had to come about because the church didn't do its job. But it, it's, it, God's not a, it, it's not a I take from the rich and give to the poor kind of God. He doesn't make everyone equal. That's not how his kingdom operates. Just ask the man that had five, ten talents, five talents, and one talent. It's not based on, on making everyone equal. No, it's, it's based on what are you doing with what he gave you. So we, we see here, he, he says, so he, he talked to a certain man, brought forth plentiful, and he thought with himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my, my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then who shall those things be which, which you have provided? 
So is he that lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So now he's given us a story of what covetousness looks like. Covetousness is a rich man that's gaining more riches. And he says, you know what? I need to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Why? Because all the things I've done. Think of all the things he said. Because I do. Because I have no room where I bestow my fruits. This will I do. I will pull down my barns. I'll build greater. And there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. What is covetousness is about is about gaining more without the intent to distribute. Covetousness is about the heart and the desire to, to crave riches without the heart to distribute it. Because God tells him here, he goes, what are you doing? You're bu- you want to build these bigger barns for all the stuff that you've done? But, but yet, your soul is going to be demanded of you tonight. And what are all those riches going to do for you just hiding in a barn? God's not against you having a savings account. He just wants to know, are you a distribution center? He's not against you having a million dollars in the bank. The question is, are you going to obey what he tells you to do? Because he says, so, now listen, but God said unto him, you fool. He calls this man a fool. Like, How can you call a man a fool that's got great wealth? He has a great business. He, he's done all these. Free, he calls him a fool. Why? Because he doesn't understand eternity. So is he. So is the man. The man that does this other thing is also a fool. The man that lays up treasures for himself. For himself. For himself. And he said he's not rich towards God. He's not rich towards God. Covetousness is about being rich towards yourself, but not being rich towards God. Amen. Amen. Covetousness. Covetousness. Go to Colossians chapter 4, and I'll try to... Got two more scriptures. Colossians chapter... I'm sorry, Colossians 3. The master key and the main problem. The master key is what? Seeking God. The main problem is loving things and covetousness. Covetousness is loving things. Colossians 3 verse 1. It says, if you then be risen with Christ. Meaning if you've made Christ your Lord. You've accepted Christ. Made things right with Christ. He says what? Seek those things that are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Covetousness is setting your affection on things. But this is talking about set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. Remember Matthew 6, 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. Don't seek after everything that the rest of the world is seeking after. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life? What's your life about? Is your life about yourself? Now look at When Christ, who is your life? Man, 
When Christ, who is your life? When you accepted Jesus, you no longer became your master. So he's telling us to set our affection. If, if you've been risen with Christ, meaning if you're born again, set your affection on those things that are above where Christ sits. Not on the things of the earth. Why? Because you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Mortify, meaning, meaning put to death those members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, whatever that word is, and covetousness. Mortify, meaning, meaning put, put, get rid of these things. And one of the things where you say covetousness, which is what? Idolatry. See, the main problem is idolatry. Christ is not really truly Lord. You want to become prosperous? Make him Lord. You want to become prosperous? Seek those things that are above where Christ sits. Covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, we, we, see, we see this in, in, in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning. Man, Adam and Eve were rich. They, he, he gave them gold and silver, everything they needed, and told them where it was. Told them there's gold there. Told them the rivers that came together and the barrel, the ox, the onyx, the every jasper, everything, where they would be. And, and yet they had all this great wealth. They had everything they thought. They were made in God's image. They were made in his likeness. They, they looked just like God. When God formed the dust of the ground, and he stood Adam up and breathed into his nostrils. It said he became a living spirit. Really, in, in the original language, it said he, came, he became just like God. So they had everything. There was only one stipulation. Don't eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. What happened is, in Genesis 3, it says, as she looked at the tree and saw that it was good for fruit. One translation says, and she looked at it longingly. She's seeking something else other than God. That's covet. She was seeking. She was seeking something that she already was. She was already like God. Because Satan said to her, he says, God doesn't want you to eat of this because if you eat of this, then you'll be like him. That's how the, the enemy deceives us out of who we really are. That's why he came to Jesus after he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones, if you be the son of God, turn these, into, turn these bread into he was already. God just said, this is my beloved son and well pleased. He always wants to challenge who you really are. And covetousness will keep you from who you really are. Covetousness will keep you from the blessing and keep you from the prosperity that God desires for your life. That was covetousness. Longingly looked at it. Man, I've got everything, but I don't have that yet. Don't go after what you don't have. Don't go after what God doesn't want you to go after. Because I'm telling you, you'll always be disappointed. Go to Proverbs 3, 
Thank you, Father. Covetousness will cause you to manipulate. It will cause you to gain something by questionable means. Covetousness will cause you to rob, steal, cheat. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3. Before I read the scripture, dealing with that idolatry and covetousness idolatry. One year out of Bible school, and I was working at the ministry... And um, I was needing a new car. I use the word need loosely. I wanted a new car. (laughs) And, but yet I knew the Lord had given me a a direct, at that time I had a a Nissan Maxima at the time. I don't remember what year it was. But he said, I I don't want you to get, I don't want you to entail, there was some things he wanted me to pay off. Because I don't want you to get your next vehicle until until this until these things are taken care of. You paid that bill off. You paid these your commitments. I want you to pay those things off first. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I had a friend of mine that worked at a car dealership at the Autobahn BMW dealership, and so this was this was about two weeks after the Lord spoke clearly to me on what what I needed to do before I needed a new vehicle. Before I was going to get an, another vehicle. And, and so my friend calls me up and says, oh man, we just got this car in. And man, this car, it, it's, it's immaculate. It's like no one's driven in it. Um, you know, it, for, for its year, it's got a little bit more mileage, but it was all highway miles. The, the person was a, a they were a, a pilot. And so it was, they lived, they, and it was just a straight shot to DFW. And they had to go back and forth all the time. And but, but this car, man, it, it's a stick shift BMW. It's fast, uh, you know, like an M3 candy apple red with tan leather interior. It didn't look like anyone had driven in this car. And so he, he, he says, you need to come check out this car. I should have said what? No. Because, <laughs> because God already told me no. Based on, based on are these things paid off yet? Did you pay these things off yet? But I went and saw the car. And then I went and drove the car. And yeah, it was not, it handled, man. It, 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 it was smooth. It was, man, it was pretty. Man, drooling even now. It was a nice, and, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm in the showroom. I go outside and I'm looking at it. And man, I'm looking at that car, and man, this is a nice car. I take that car home, and I'm, I, I get in. And the first thing I do is is I I go I go conveniently go to where all my friends are, <laughs> so they can see this new car that I have, my used new car. Don't you want to ride in my car? Don't you ri- want to ride in my? BMW, don't you? Man, wouldn't you like to ride in my BMW? But all the while, the even when I'm signing the papers, the Lord's like, uh, "Hey, me over here." Oh, it, God'll be okay. Yeah, well, I'll take care of that. I can. Still, the payments are only this, so I can still. Yeah, I'm convincing God. I. I 
I get, the, I get, I get to my house. I, I live with uh, two other guys. Uh, we, we shared a house. And I uh, pull in the driveway, pulled in the garage, shut the, shut the garage door. I was about to turn the garage door. I looked at that car. I was like, oh, that's a sweet-looking car. And the Lord said, it's not your car. I mean, in the, it was a BMW. I was like, God, this is a BMW. I always wanted a BMW. This is a nice car. I'll look prosperous. I'll look prosperous. And he says, that's not your car. And I said, but God, he goes, it's not your car. So then you have two options. You either rebel or you humble. I said, well, God, what do I do? I've already signed the paperwork. He goes, in Texas, there's a three-day law. He goes, he goes, but you're not waiting till tomorrow. He says, you need to go to your friend's house, that's the salesman, and you need to tell him that you disobeyed me. So I drove to his house. He lived just about a couple miles away. I went and took the keys, and I told him, I said, I can't take the car because I would disobey God. He looked at me kind of strange, but he, but he understood because he, he, was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He understood. He, he wasn't trying to talk me into it. He wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. But I, but I walked away from there, and he said, Justin, if you seek me, I will prosper you. I knew someone that bought that car. Within the first year of them having that car, they put almost $10,000 in that car between engine, fuel filter, all these things. So God was protecting me. I mean, I felt bad for the other person. But, but, but it, was, it was, I was wanting it. It was what I was wanting. It was what I was wanting. I'm not asking God what he wanted. I wasn't seeking God. I had already sought God, and God told me what to do, but I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. It was more like when God speaks, la, 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 not hearing anything, no, no, I'm not hearing, I'm not, I don't have a check, I don't have a check. Yeah, God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But covetousness will put you in places that will be hard for you to get out of. Let me close with this verse. I've gone far longer than I probably needed to. So Proverbs 3, verse verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. In all your ways. That's seeking him. In all your ways, acknowledge That's seeking him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In what he shall direct your path. In all your ways, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. What is fear the Lord? That's seeking him. That's putting him first. 
and depart from evil. Depart from covetousness. Seek him and depart from covetousness. We just saw that covetousness is idolatry, right? So that would be evil, right? So don't be wise in my own eyes. But seek, fear him. Seek him and depart from covetousness. Why? Because when I do that, it will be health unto my navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. See, this is prosperity. That's prosperity. We see seeking here, the main key, and we see the main problem, the covetousness. See, when I, when, I, when I put him first and I depart from covetousness, it says that my barns will be filled with plenty. Plenty. That sounds like rich to me. And my presses shall burst out with new wine. Wow. That's prosperity. It's the master key. Seeking him. And not yielding to the main problem, which is covetousness. You receive this tonight? Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We're challenged by your word. Hallelujah. Everyone stand to your feet. Before we dismiss tonight, I have to be honest with you, there's been situations in my life where some of the things that I've, I've preached, if I'm not careful, I could, I could walk in condemnation under. And so by no means do I want you to be condemned about where you might be or decisions you might have made. But the beginning of all change is, is repenting and say, Father, I thank you for you providing a way out. Thank you, Lord, for directing my steps from here on out. Yeah, Father, I might, I might have missed it. I might have, yeah, I, I missed it back then. And yeah, I didn't do the right thing back then. But Father, I, I repent of that. And I thank you for, for your forgiveness. And I thank you for, for making things new in my life today. Is everyone with your head bowed? You say, Pastor Justin, I... I Man, I, you're, you're speaking to me tonight. I've been pursuing the wrong things. I've been running after the wrong things, expecting God to meet me there, but I've had it backwards. If that's you, just with no one looking around, just me and God, just slip, slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. See those hands? I see that hand. See that hand? See that hand? See those hands? I see that? See that? Hallelujah. Hmm. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, the amazing thing about God is His mercies are new every morning. The amazing thing is that it says in Jeremiah, when we call, it says he answers us. And he shows us great and mighty things. So just by putting your hand up, I believe he sees your heart.
Also, if you're here tonight and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you want to invite him into your heart. You want a fresh start, a new beginning. Just slip your hand up where you are. So I do want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone pray. With hands lifted. Just an attitude of surrender. Just repeat after me. And mean the words that you say. Father God. Father God we thank you Lord. For Jesus, we thank you that he died on the cross for us to make all things new in our lives. We repent of being away from you. We repent for making wrong decisions. I thank you that your grace is sufficient. Your forgiveness is complete. And your mercies are abundant. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for receiving me. I thank you, Lord, for changing me from the inside out. Making me new in every part of my life. Where I failed, I thank you that you're increasing. Where I've made mistakes, you give me wisdom. How to do new things. To go new directions. So my life will never be the same again. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word tonight, Father.